Hi everyone, welcome to this special edition Pepper Podcast to give a quick recap of Lend It USA 2017 that took place this week, March 6th and 7th in New York City. We are recording this podcast with some members of Pepper's Marketplace Lending Team that were at Lend It this week. Joining me today are Pepper attorneys Greg Novak and Todd Kornfeld. Gentlemen, welcome. Hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. So Lend is just a monster event and is a good way to judge the pulse of the marketplace lending industry. Greg, let's start with you because you were at the conference for the last couple of years and you're also a speaker at the conference over multiple years, including this year. From your conversations with attendees on the conference floor, what do you feel are some of the most pressing issues you were hearing from folks this week? Well, first, um, let me just go back to what you described as a monster event. We're talking about uh, an entire wing of the Jacob Javits Center, multiple floors occupied by the exhibition, by the various vendors and sponsors, and then the entire uh, bottom floor with all the salons filled with the breakout sessions. And each one of these breakout sessions had 150 to 200 people in them. The keynote session, of course, was large enough to hold several thousand. The um, event, I think, is indicative of the interest that is apparent about this space, about marketplace lending in general, about all of the companies that believe that they have a product that can be sold to marketplace lending. And make no bones about it, the entire exhibit floor was about people interested in selling something. Either they're selling a service, like a legal service, selling accounting services, valuation services, um, loan servicing services, and then you had from the vendor side, you then had the firms that were selling investments, uh, hedge funds or, or private equity type funds that invest in loans in the space that are there looking for investors. And there were a number of investors in the, in the, uh, at the conference and therefore an appropriate place for funds like that to potentially find new investor opportunities. The the conference attempts to address all of the aspects of the uh, participants in the industry, from the investor to the institutional investor and fund, to the platforms themselves, to the service providers, to the platforms, to the capital providers. We even had some government regulators walking around the floor who would introduce themselves to the various law firms that were exhibiting, asking what's going on in the industry. I think probably um, the most pressing issue that came out of the conference was the industry has grown like Topsy. There are all these participants in the industry, but there's no real leader in the industry in the same way that uh, Lending Club, for example, was the leader for the last several years. Clearly, they have the preeminent position, and they are a publicly traded company, and Prosper's doing very well. But no one has staked out a path that everyone else is now following. And I think what I sensed was perhaps an industry that was going in a variety of directions that still had a common theme of private lending in a non-bank context, um, but not necessarily everyone jumping onto one bandwagon idea that was going to grow the industry to the next level. The other thing I think that came out of the conference or the impression that I got 
was that companies were focused, probably for the first time in all the conferences I attended, in revenue generation and the bottom line. And before, the talk was by all of the techie people, uh, the great user experience, how wonderful the tech is, um, how we've revolutionized going from the blue screen to a more interactive online experience, how our documents all work online. That's all well, right, and good, but that's now the ticket to the dance. And the funders are now looking at this business and saying, okay, we've got the shiny toys. We have all the materials that look beautiful. We have the marketplace poised to accept what we are willing to sell. Now let's sell it. And when we sell it, let's make sure that we're selling it at a price point that's ultimately going to sustain the industry. Um, we've seen the, uh, the firms that had their senior executives move away from the tech wizards to more operational types, people who know how to run a business, who've run businesses before, who've actually uh, turned businesses into profitable enterprises so that going forward they have something to sell. So I think what we have is an industry that's grown, that's in somewhat of a transition, that it's moving away from its tech upstart roots into the fin side. So this is the fintech space. So we're moving out of the tech to some extent into the fin. Most of the mountains on the tech side that needed to be climbed have already been climbed, and I think we're now uh, putting a finer point on a lot of the, the technology and the way things operate. But Todd, you were there for most of the time as well. What was your sense? What was your impression? Well, to me, it's, it's like a trade show. It's gotten quite large. There were a very large number of vendors and service providers, over 100. There's even somebody trying to sell suits to attendees. So it's sort of a full-service you know, conference, no pun intended. Um, it was a very lively, very energetic crowd of people you know, spending a great deal of time in the exhibition areas, looking at various things and speaking to various people. One of the things that impressed me was the large contingent from China. There must have been at least a dozen uh, companies of various types, I guess primarily lenders uh, or, or service providers to lenders from China, some of quite large booths and, and had obviously committed quite a number of resources to appearing at LendIt. And it gave it quite a lot of a global and international feel to it. But, yeah, uh, hey, Todd, one thing I just didn't have the time because it was so large and I had so many other commitments, and I was wondering if you had the chance. The Chinese uh, ven uh, vendors and, and participants who were there, were they looking for transnational investment? Were they looking to sell Chinese loans that were originated in China in the U.S.? Were they looking to buy technology or sell their technology? What was the play? I think the people that I spoke to, they, they told me that it was sort of a showing the flag exercise. They wanted to get their name out on a global basis. And the, the, the lender differed in their approaches. Some of them are strictly within the Chinese market, and that's all they are right now. And they don't want to be after the Chinese market until they understand the regulatory and other you know, financial concerns they might have. But they're large in the China market. They're a large organization, and they want people to know who they are. And they probably are looking for JV partners or the like 
in the future. I think there were other you know, Chinese lenders there who, at least in the materials, say they are in fact operating, you know, in the United States. You know, perhaps in the Chinese you know, community that speaks Mandarin. I don't know what they're actually doing. Um, they weren't uh, speaking freely about what they were, what they were currently doing. But I think it's a combination of all of the above, and it depends upon which particular company you're referring to. Yeah. Now, in a number of our clients um, who are from China, they are looking for U.S. investment dollars to take to China to essentially stake their marketplace lending businesses. Um, I have not seen, and it may just be that they have, haven't crossed our path, but I have not seen uh, Chinese firms actually coming here to try to make loans. That hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I, again, because it's only some rigged materials I saw, it's hard to know. And I also know that a lot of these Chinese firms, at least again, they're in their materials, they're partnering with major Chinese financial institutions. And in some ways, at least some of them may be more pure fintech firms that it may look at the lender uh, to you or me, but in reality, they, they may actually be the service provider by the software, the analytics and the like, or somebody like the Bank of China, for example, who's listed as a partner, who may actually be providing the money for the loans, which is a little different in the way the U.S. market works. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of uh, sort of the maturation cycle of the hedge fund industry about 15 years ago, where it started as an upstart and a, and a counterpoint, private counterpoint to the mutual fund industry and grew up rapidly. Then it started to bring in notice from foreign investors and foreign companies interested in um, emulating what the U.S. advisors were doing. And then after that, it turned into they were actually raising money from U.S. investors. So obviously happy to have them. I think your observation is right on. They, they did occupy a significant part of the conference. And, um, you know, Let's see what the next step is that comes out of that uh, foray. Right, 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 right. Uh, two other issues I, met, I heard people mention were, well, how do I make money? How do I monetize what I have? You know, I am somebody who's been operating a lending business, but I think my technology is very good, so perhaps I should discontinue or de-emphasize using the, that technology myself to lend money and it shouldn't that part of other people who have more access to money and collect some sort of fee or revenue from their usage of my technology. Uh, and that, that's a theme I heard several times from people. What, what am I and which is a better path for me to go forward with? Um, and finally, uh, not surprising given the new administration, you know, what do people think is going to happen to financial regulation, banking regulation in general, which, you know, given how long the administration's been in, is a quite difficult thing to handicap. But it's, it's clearly an area that many people are speculating as to what will happen in, in the near and medium-term future. Yeah, I, I do think that um, probably the biggest thorn in the side of the marketplace lending industry, the CFPB, um, will likely see major changes in the Trump administration with the Republican-led Congress. And I do believe that um, as time goes on, you will see a um, dissipation of that centralization of the regulatory control back to the agencies uh, 
and whether they assume a greater role or they allow this industry to grow is something else. I mean, if you listen to the mouth services being paid by various regulatory agencies, they want marketplace lending to grow, but they want it to grow in, a, in the right way, and they don't want people being scalped. Well, you know, one person's scalping is another person's food on the table, right? Uh, right. Because while uh, high interest rate loans or payday loans are obviously considered predatory, uh, the reality is, in many instances, that's the only credit that someone can get. And if they truly need the credit for a personal reason or a business reason, you know, their alternatives is, are not to get whatever they need the money for or to go to illegal sources. And obviously, nobody wants that. So simply saying that you shouldn't charge a high interest rate uh, doesn't do anything for those people who need credit. So, you know, we don't see the administration going to the banks and saying, we want you to lend in these underserved markets. We're simply saying we don't want investors to make money on these underserved markets um, in a way that we find objectionable. Right. It's not clear to me that the new administration is highly focused on most of the regulatory issues of interest to marketplace lending, and it takes quite a lot of time. A lot of these issues involve notice and comment rulemaking. That takes a year or two under the best of circumstances, and I, I personally think it may be some time first before we know what the administration actually wants for proposed and implement, and then a significant amount of time after that for the rules to actually be crafted, approved, and implemented. So it's very hard to handicap right now what it's going to look like in, say, 12 months or 24 months. Yeah, so I guess the takeaways are there's a watchful waiting, what's going to happen on the regulatory side. Um, everyone is interested in which way the Washington winds will be blowing, uh, and no one can handicap that. We just have no idea, and I think that uncertainty was weighing on the minds, especially of the foreign investors who were coming into the space. Um, the other takeaway is, as you said, Todd, monetization. The industry is being forced to find ways to monetize the value that has been created. Or, if there is no easy path to monetization, decide whether or not they should continue to go down that path or perhaps do, right. do a trade sale or some other way to realize some uh, return for the investors who've made all that possible. So I think monetization will be a continuing trend and force to be reckoned with in this space. Um, but I think that's indicative of a normal maturation of a, of a nascent industry. And, you know, relatively short period of time, uh, it has gone from an upstart to show me the money. Right, right, that's all true. So in addition to all the networking that was going on over the two days of the conference, there were a great number of panels, including, Greg, you were, uh, you were on a panel. Do either of you, from what you were hearing from the stage, uh, any one or two major takeaways that you feel were, were really striking a, a good theme with the audience that you heard? Well, my panel was on secondary markets and uh, how do you create one, what a secondary market would look like. 
So we started off with defining what is a secondary market, and you basically it provides price discovery, it provides a marriage brokering between buyer and seller, and then it provides fulfillment. And the uh, panelists, who included a broker, a registered broker-dealer, a uh, data specialist firm, a bank, and a valuation firm, were uniform that while people would love to have NASDAQ or an automatic trading system like the NASDAQ for these loans, uh, don't get ahead of yourself. Why do you need fulfillment that's automatic like that, especially when you consider that most of these loans are issued by the top two or three platforms, and they religiously guard the um, holding of those assets on those platforms until they're paid off. So I think, you know, the, the real question in everyone's mind on the panel was, is this the holy grail that we don't need to pursue at this time if we had an efficient market that identified uh, priced, you know, price discovery, and if we had an efficient market that matched buyers and sellers in one-off transactions that are then settled the old-fashioned way. Um, so I think that was the first takeaway, um, you know, unless there's a technological solution. I've suggested, others have suggested perhaps blockchain could do that, but that's probably three to five years away. Uh, if you're not going to do have a technological solution, then are we better served making the bulletin board aspect and the marriage brokering aspect more robust so that we know, you know, that uh, this issuer has the following loans for sale, this buyer wants the following loan, now all of a sudden there's a possibility of a true bid-ask, even though fulfillment is still in a one-off. Um, I think, you know, an interesting discussion. Um, everyone was quick to remind that there is already a secondary market for marketplace loans, and that's the securitization market, where the assets are put into big bundles and then interest in those bundles, whether they're debt or equity, are sold to investors. So uh, I think um, my takeaway from that panel was that um, we already have a secondary market, that it works, it's a little bit quirky and inefficient because you still have to do valuation, that maybe we should crawl before we run and sprint, and that crawl would be some form of bulletin board or other listing service that provides price discovery and marriage brokering. Uh, some of the other sessions I attended sort of uh, echoed that similar incremental approach to uh, innovation, that we've innovated as far as we need to go right now, and that before we spend more time and money, let's make money doing what we're doing. I think following up on what Greg was mentioning, the blockchain, I went to a number of the blockchain sessions, and the first thing I noticed was it was beyond spending remotely. There were actually 30 or 40 people standing in the back of the room. Uh, so clearly people are, are very, very interested in blockchains and what they can be used for, and they want to hear now more about actual implementations and how they can really be used as opposed to what is a blockchain. And judging by the audience questions, people are clearly beginning to seriously think about you know, moving either existing technology to blockchain or if they're building something new from scratch using a blockchain fork. And that, to me, is very interesting, and we'll be keeping the watch on movements in that area. 
So next year's uh, Lend It is in San Francisco, which goes back to the to the roots of uh, marketplace lending, which grew up in California. Both Lending Club and Prosper are in California, so obviously they have the in, the um, advantage of being indigenous. And uh, Pepper, of course, has an office in Silicon Valley as well as in Los Angeles and uh, Orange County that we service a lot of our California clients from, although we do have people from our East Coast offices, Todd and myself uh, included, that are heavily involved in those West Coast activities. We're looking forward to next year's Lended Conference. Um, one of the topics that came up uh, during one of the sessions, of course, was the district court's final decision that New York law controls in the Madden case. The Madden case has been very closely watched because it impacts loans that are written by non-banks in the Second Circuit, um, in the states that comprise the Second Federal Judicial Circuit. So what we have is a district court saying that despite the fact that the contracts reference Delaware, the contacts of the parties and the public policy suggested that New York law should control, that New York's criminal usury statute in the Madden case was applicable, um, but that since there's no private right of action under that, the plaintiffs had to proceed under the federal um, Deceptive Credit Act, and all of a sudden certified two class actions as part of their decision, where persons who were aggrieved by the aggressive credit collection practices of the uh, credit collector, the defendant in the Madden case, could now bring a class action against them in federal court. Um, I predict that uh, at next year's Lend It, there will be at least one panel that talks about the response to the Madden class actions in <laughs> marketplace lending. Nothing like a class action to bring an industry um, sharply into focus uh, with respect to what they're doing and how they're doing it. And Todd, uh, what do you feel like will be the next big thing that might be happening in the industry over the year, over the next year? I think there'll be a further maturation. I think that there will be at least one large player who applies for, or publicly says they're applying for, the new OCC charter, um, the so-called FinTech charter. And I think that's part of the maturation process of the industry. I want to thank Todd and Greg for spending the time with us today to recap what went on in New York at the Lending Conference. I would like to tell our listeners that Pepper attorneys from the marketplace lending practice are constantly writing on the changing dynamics of this industry. So if you are interested in getting on our email distribution list, feel free to email me at dolanb at pepperlaw.com, and we will make sure you receive the latest insights from our attorneys. My email address is also on the description of this podcast on Pepper's Pog Center, where this podcast is posted. Todd and Greg, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Brian.